It is the morning of Saturday, April 30th, 2016. The first two days of the draft have passed, and now all the day three hopefuls get to sweat for an entire afternoon while the rest of us debate over how far Dak Prescott's going to fall. It's a rainy day in Rockford, Illinois, where one of these players gets a phone call. He steps away to take it as his entire family holds their breath. They all probably have some guess as to what this phone call is about, but none of them have any idea how this day is actually going to play out. Welcome to the Everman series on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You liked it on three, one, two, three. You, like you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Luke Braun, and let's find some joy today. You can find this show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, whether it is a podcast listening app like SiriusXM or even YouTube or Amazon Fire or Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. You can have it right there on your smart TV. Uh, thank you so much for those of you who do listen to this show every single day. I appreciate you all so very much, especially as we get into uh, training camp and, and people start showing up kind of who only show up seasonally. Just know I didn't forget about the hashtag everydayers. Uh, today is the Everman series, so we are going to continue on with that profiling every player on the 90-man roster, uh, helping fill out July. Before I do that, though, one of the men of the 90-man roster has been released. John Reed, whose story you can hear in the uh, Free Agents You Forgot About episode of, uh, of Locked on Vikings from a few weeks ago, was a pre- most previously uh, or most recently of uh, Atlanta, I think, Penn State cornerback. He's been released. So the Vikings now have 89 players on their roster. One of those players is John Reed, and the Vikings get a roster exemption for him. So they have actually two open spots that they could use on someone. Not sure what that's about or what it's for. Sometimes it's just, you know, you look at OTAs and the, and the DB's coach says, you know what, I'm never going to roster this guy. It's okay. And we'll just give everybody else the reps. Sometimes it's you're you're making a roster space for some coming transaction or something like that. Really, we can only wait and see. So we will continue with the Everyman series. We'll go back to that rainy morning in Rockford, Illinois, where Dean Lowry's dream might be on the other end of that phone call. And as he steps out to take it, you have to kind of appreciate how he got here. He grew up a Bears fan with him and his family watching the Bears every Sunday, idolizing guys like Brian Urlacher and how they played defense. Uh, and so he always wanted to be a football player like Erlacher. Um, When he got to high school, he was pretty small and he wanted to bulk up. Uh, he ate, you know, burgers and pizza and kind of whatever you can. You can eat whatever as a teenager. Right. Uh, and he does end up bulking up and growing a little bit more. He ends up six, six. He currently plays under just about 300 pounds. But when he got to college at Northwestern, he kind of realized that to be a serious football player, you needed to actually take your diet seriously as well. So he cut out the burgers and the pizza and he replaced it with healthier options and even stuff like at night, still trying to bulk up, but eating like plain bland oatmeal. And it takes a little bit of endurance to get through a bowl of plain oatmeal and not want to retch. <laughs> but a little bit of endurance is no big deal to Dean Lowry. You can see it everywhere anybody talks about him. Putting up with a little something uncomfortable is nothing. Um, in the Northwestern weight room, they encourage their athletes to lift, quote, Dean weight, or to push themselves outside of their comfort zones, do what is not quite comfortable. 
Uh, to be a football player, you have to do what is not quite comfortable, whether it's plain oatmeal or dealing with the spring rains in Illinois. Dean Lowry emerges from that phone call somewhere around 9 a.m. that morning. The draft, uh, day three of the draft will kick off, I think, like noon. He goes to the garage, grabs a golf club, probably some kind of wedge, and he starts chipping around in the wet backyard grass right as the rain breaks. His mom knows what that means. It means it was bad news. And it turns out that that phone call was one of the teams that had been interested in him pre-draft, calling him to say, we're not going to call your name today. But if you go through the whole draft and you don't get drafted, look out for us. We're going to call you, maybe bring you in as an undrafted free agent. That kind of sucks. (laughs) Um, When you are a hopeful for day three, you don't get any signing bonus. You don't get any uh guarantees or anything like that and you're going to be have a much harder time making the team than if you're say a fourth round draft pick so it's pretty bad news but ultimately it's one team and there's a long day to go the whole family is going to gather around the tv and watch the draft today uh including the lowry's have a neighbor who is a diehard packer fan and often ribs them about their bears fandom as you know vikings packers fans that live around the border of uh minnesota and wisconsin are probably very familiar with this kind of dynamic but look, he is welcome today. Everybody's welcome because he's been following his neighbor, the neighbor kid's football career since he was a teenager, and he's super excited about Dean Lowry possibly getting into the NFL. It, they are not on the couch for an hour before we are around the end of the fourth round in the compensatory picks, and uh, Dean Lowry's phone rings with a number he does not recognize, which is a pretty good sign on draft day when you're expecting that kind of call. It's got a 920 area code. He doesn't know what that is. He's never talked to anyone with a 920 area code anyways. It is a representative for Ted Thompson of the Green Bay Packers. This is a total shock to everybody. The the Packers had absolutely nothing to do with Dean Lowry and the whole pre-draft process. They didn't bring him in for workouts. They didn't interview him. They didn't call him. They didn't correspond with him like at all. Very weird. But In the draft, this kind of thing does happen. Sometimes a team just has their eval on you, and you don't have to worry about it. Don't have to bring them in for an interview or talk talk anything out. They don't have any questions. They know how they feel about you, whether that's positive or negative, and they don't need to seek out any additional information. The neighbor, uh, his name is Mark, runs out out of the living room, goes home, picks up his favorite Packer hat, comes over, knocks on the door, and he is just grinning. Everybody's going to be a Packer fan now. If you, go, if you go to the Lowry's house at any time over the course of the next few years, you will find green and gold. That green G, it is now a Packer household. And hey, fair enough. That's where your kid plays, right? That supersedes any rivalry stuff. Until at least this last year. Now Dean Lowry is a Viking. I wonder if they're going to go get some Vikings banners. But he is certainly making the tour of the NFC North, or making his parents do that at least. Uh... That is not to diminish his time with Green Bay, though. I mean, he was a staple for them for six years, often doing the dirty work stuff on the defensive line. There are guys like that that sort of have to do the unsung work while he's next to Kenny Clark and Zadarius Smith and then later guys like Rashawn Gary and now Devontae Wyatt. He has to sort of set them up. He's the one crashing into alignment so that Arius Smith can loop behind him or somebody who is lining up split really close to Kenny Clark so Kenny Clark can get that one-on-one the Packers are are coveting. He's never going to get a lot of that glory, but there is something to being the guy that's willing to endure a little bit less of the reward and a little bit more punishment for the good of the team. It's never been a problem for Dean Lowry. 
Um, he talks about how he plays every year as if it's a contract year. He was asked about this when he was going into an actual contract year, and he would get a, an extension that year. Uh, they they signed him to a three-year extension after he played out his rookie contract, um, or the year before his rookie contract was up, I think. They signed him to an extension, and when he was asked about this before that contract signed, he kind of said, look, guys have told me every year is a contract year. It is the NFL. You can get traded. You could get cut. Doesn't matter how good you are. You could get hurt. It could be over. So every year you're playing like your job is on the line. And that's the mentality. And it's probably a smart one to have. But he should go down as a fairly well-appreciated player among Packers fans because he would actually start or, or at least play in 101 consecutive games, which is a streak that not a lot of players get to boast for the same team, for the same team. But that streak was broken last Christmas time, thanks to a calf injury he suffered against Miami. Uh, but his dirty work role was sort of starting to evaporate and get usurped anyways, as Devontae Wyatt, who was a first round pick for the Packers last year, started to come into his own and earn more playing time. Um, Dean Lowry ended up going on IR that year, but it kind of felt like the writing was on the wall and it was the last year of that contract extension. So he would hit free agency anyways. Um, he did not return to the Packers, but Mike Pettin and Mike Smith are still in Minnesota and they called up the guy they used to coach in Green Bay and brought him in here to do that same dirty work role. The dream is definitely still alive for Dean Lowry. And honestly, the dream has played itself out in a satisfying way. If Dean Lowry do is nearing the end of his NFL career, it's already been a solid one. There's a lot to hang your hat on. But for some players, you have to defer that dream a little bit or maybe adjust your expectations for it. That's the next guy here on the Everyman series on the Locked On Vikings podcast. I want to switch gears for just one moment, though, and talk to you a little bit about fantasy football. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to give you some guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week. That's eBay's guaranteed fit fantasy picks. They have a couple of players that they're talking about for uh, maybe late first round picks, but you get the early second round pick, maybe some interesting pairings that fit really well with each other. For example... Devontae Adams and Patrick Mahomes. If you're making looking to make a smooth turn in your fantasy football snake drafts, maybe go with Devontae Adams, who, with all the running backs and guys like Justin Jefferson out there, could be available at that point, and then turning around and getting the best quarterback in the league. They are both reliable, steady, and they have plenty of volume. They will be able to be that cornerstone of your fantasy football team. Look, eBay Motors and Lockdown Fantasy Football understand that fantasy is all about guys fitting together properly. And it's the same with your vehicle. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle are right at your fingertips. And you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shocks, struts, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. So go forth and drive with peace of mind, knowing that if you need a part, you can get that guaranteed fit from eBay Motors. They can help you navigate the jungle of all the different types of makes and parts and models and what fits your car. They can help you with all of that and get you what your car needs. So for the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for the green check. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Thanks again for those of you who listen to this show every single day. I appreciate you all a lot. Uh, I want to take you now down to Mobile, Alabama, where a young Cephas Johnson played football throughout all of his childhood and ended up playing quarterback at Davidson High. Um, when you are in Alabama and you can throw a football, you will be a quarterback. It's ju- it's destiny. It is just like a rite of passage to play a little bit of high school quarterback if you are in Alabama and you can throw. And so that's what Cephas Johnson does. He plays quarterback throughout his whole time at uh, Davidson High. Everyone has a moment where football gets its sinks its hooks right into you, uh, and you get addicted and <laughs> realize that this is going to be your passion in your career. Uh, for Cephas Johnson, one of those types of moments happens to him during a homecoming game a comeback win with a final score of 50 to 49 and they were trailing a lot really exciting homecoming game and as the quarterback you kind of realize i might be able to do this at the next level this might really be something for me when you have a game like that um it's also i mean why would you ever do anything but quarterback right it's the money position so this idea of being a pro quarterback, being a real-life football quarterback is in Cephas Johnson's mind. But when he gets to college, he finds that the competition is a lot stiffer than maybe he's ready for, and that's not too abnormal for a young guy coming in. There's a, an entrenched starter. He goes to South Alabama in the Sun Belt Conference, and there's an entrenched starter that is you know, not going to relinquish the job to a bunch of youngsters, and he gets to kind of take his time and uh, learn the position. But he's not the only guy doing that. And in 2018, which is his second year, he ends up sort of splitting time with everybody. He will win the job in the initial uh, training camp battle, but in a game that is, uh, they're trailing at one point 42 to nothing, they will bench him. And it's a disaster of a game for Cephas Johnson. So Southern Alabama benches him, and then the next game, they're getting blown out again. This is, by the way, a nightmare season for South Alabama. Um, they'll bench the other guy and they'll put Cephas Johnson back in. And then, um, he will play for like three or four more games. And then he will be three for 11 at one point in another game. And he'll get benched for a guy named Desmond Trotter, who uh, has started each year there since a, a younger player. It's interesting. Um, you know, I have to imagine that he's, he's fighting off some doubt, but before his third year, uh, he will go to the Manning Passing Academy to learn from Eli Manning alongside other young, hopeful quarterbacks trying to improve their game. He walks away from it with a weird vibe. Uh, he f- kind of feels like the rest of the QBs outclass him a little bit. And he, he says, you know, I'm close, I'm close. These guys are good, but I'm close to them. But you can tell in just the way that he's wording the quotes that he gives about this experience that, I don't know, maybe some doubts creeping in. He will lose that job to Desmond Trotter officially. Uh, And with that idea and the way that that season that happens afterwards uh, plays out, he will transfer to southeastern Louisiana. He's in the Southland Conference. Um, And he kind of understands that the writing was at the wall, on the wall at South Alabama. And damn it, he's an Alabama kid that can throw. He's going to be a quarterback. But at Southeastern Louisiana, things have to open up a little bit, right? This is a guy that has been benched a couple times now that has sort of been humbled 
uh, as young players do when they don't waltz in and you know dance all over everybody, which we see, hear a lot of that in this series because these are all players that made it to the NFL, right? Of course, they're whooping everybody in college. Um, and it's not often that we see this kind of struggle in a story like this that leads to an actual opportunity in the NFL. Always makes for an interesting story, especially with Cephas Johnson. And the question you probably have about Cephas Johnson is, what's he going to do here? Because I've been talking about him as a quarterback, but he is not exclusively a quarterback. He's actually listed as a wide receiver on the Vikings website. So what happens here? And the answer to that happens at Southeastern Louisiana, where he will show up for the 2020 season, which does not happen. Southland Conference does not play football during the pandemic year. After all, things need to stay a little bit unprecedented. Um, (laughs) That might be a little bit of a blessing for him, though, because it gives him a lot of time to study and learn. And that means, A, he can learn the new playbook, right? He's got to go learn the new team and everything. So he can get time with coaches and players and stuff and really kind of get caught up on everything, get up to speed. But also, they can say, hey, we're going to play a little bit of wide receiver, and you've got a year to sort of get your head wrapped around that. He will actually split time between quarterback and wide receiver. He'll sort of rotate with one of the other quarterbacks at Southeastern Louisiana. And uh, he'll also play a bunch of wide receiver. And actually, as a wide receiver, athlete that Cephas Johnson is, uh, he will kind of run around a little bit. <laughs> you know, he, he will uh, look a lot faster than the rest of these kids in the Southland Conference and maybe look like he belongs somewhere in an NFL training camp. It is such an interesting adaptation to what the dream must have been. Uh, Trying to be a quarterback all through his childhood, even playing around roughhousing with his brothers and his friends and his, and his dad Um, all the way to saying, well, I'll get on the field however I can. And maybe I'll be the first QB wide receiver hybrid since, I don't know, Taysom Hill. Terrell Pryor, I mean, like, there's not much precedent for this in the NFL, but you do what you got to do, right? Um, I, it doesn't hurt that Cephas Johnson is a hell of an athlete, and so these opportunities do kind of keep coming from him. He's got a cannon of an arm, but the nuances of the position have just been a struggle for him, um, and he's done what he has to do to sort of find those opportunities anyways. And now he has found one of those opportunities. And it is a weird one, and nobody really knows what the Vikings are going to... Like, I'm curious to see where I find him in drills, right? Uh, but hey, chip in a chair. That's the way camp works. If you are in front of coaches, you have an opportunity to ball out. And if you ball out enough, you might sneak onto a roster, being the weirdest guy ever. Or maybe he's just going to be a scout team quarterback. There's no shame in that. That's a, That's a job, right? You end up on the practice squad. You simulate being Jordan Love and Justin Fields all year and you take your camp invite for next year hoping you can learn stuff along the way and maybe be something maybe that's the plan here whatever happens with uh Cephas Johnson though is incredibly fascinating uh and I'm really looking forward to seeing he's gonna be one of the first players when I get to camp that I really sit down and look for um I might not have to work as hard to find a big guy like Chris Reed but his journey to the Vikings is one you might want to sit down for. Football is a fundamentally unfair sport. Uh, it's 2019, and the Miami Dolphins are bottoming out. You probably remember making fun of that team a lot, how they were tanking for Tua, and it'll later come out that Stephen Ross, is, Stephen Ross, the owner, is asking head coach Brian Flores to tank on purpose. Uh, allegedly, I guess I still have to say. Um, 
even allegedly offering him $100,000 per loss or something like that. Uh, he's going to get cooperation from Chris Greer, who it's a little bit more acceptable for a GM to break the roster apart and trade away Ryan Tannehill and uh, Laramie Tunsil and Minka Fitzpatrick and sort of re- call it a rebuild, not a tank, and you can brand it that way, right? Uh, it's not a roster built for success, and it's a first-year staff. A lot of people in their first year of the position, including uh, Chad O'Shea, the offensive coordinator, and there's also a new guy on the coaching the offensive line named Pat Flaherty. Now, he is a decades-long veteran of, the, of position coaching, and he's trying to recreate the Bill Belichick offense as Chad O'Shea, who was wide receivers coach in New England for like a decade, uh, wants to run it. But it's not taking. Uh, it's weird, and it's kind of the beginning of camp, new team, new everything. Like It's sort of understandable for guys to struggle to pick stuff up. I mean, we saw that a lot with Kevin O'Connell, right? Like It just takes a week or two sometimes for things to really find their rhythm. But for whatever reason, the offensive line looks ill-prepared. They have a really bad short yardage period. And four practices into training camp, the meddling, impatient ownership it probably has some pressure that has to do with this. I don't know how direct it is, but somebody's head is going to have to roll. And that head it will be Pat Flaherty's. They'll actually fire their O-line coach in the middle of the first camp. Uh, it is almost certainly unfair to fire a coach four practices into his very first training camp with the team, especially somebody that has been an O-line coach for like 20 years. But that is going to be what happens. And hey, that's the way the league goes sometimes, you know, not for long is what NFL stands for. That's the cliche. And it's, Unfair, but it's especially unfair to Chris Reed, who followed Pat Flaherty to Miami specifically for that familiarity, and that familiarity only lasted a year. Let me back all the way up. Chris Reed started playing sports in a small town called Spirit Lake, Iowa. Uh, they moved up there when he was little, and he is a very active kid, and they put him in a bunch of sports, and it's a small town, so uh, you're going to be able to play whatever sports you want pretty much. And you can play all the sports because they all probably need enough kids on their team. Um, so he played a lot of sports when he was a, a kid. For his last two years of high school, though, he moves to Omaha to play at Omaha Central High School. And there he actually has to kind of pick what he's going to dedicate himself to. And he chooses football and track and field, namely shot put. It's a good duo, by the way. If you are a young offensive lineman, you're wondering what else to do. Shot put and discus are good. They teach you explosion and rotation and stuff. Um, he's actually more into track than football to start, uh, and nearby Doan, Doan University in Crete, Nebraska has actually offered him a shot put scholarship. Um, but late in the process, after the D2 playoffs have played out, which is what is dominating the attention of Minnesota State Mankato, but once they're done, they turn to the recruiting class and they say, hey, there's this kid in Omaha Central that we could actually get our hands on. So they offer him a full ride. And he's going to take full ride to D- to Division Two. Beats Doan University. Do it, Doan. Don't, I don't know how to say it. And I'm not. And I'm not going to learn. <laughs> he gets to go to Minnesota State Mankato. And by the way, these are native Iowans. They grow up huge Vikings fans, as a lot of people in Iowa are. It's split between the Vikings. Uh, I think a little Bears, a little Broncos. But there's a lot of Vikings fans in Iowa, and now they get to go play up where the Vikings do training camp. And by the way, there is a. Uh, Third-year receiver, I think, at this time on the Minnesota State Mankato team that's starting to put up records named Adam Thielen, who we will, of course, get to know very well. 
couple of years into that, he gets some minor interest from pro teams, and he realizes that he actually, if he does get himself in front of the right people, they might actually be interested enough to give him a shot at the real NFL. I mean, all the while, by the way, he's shot putting at Olympic levels, so there's also that, but he decides to go to Minneapolis, making the drive from Mankato to Minneapolis, which is what, like an hour and a half, uh, every day to train for the pros. He'll end up going to Minnesota State's Pro Day and uh, Minnesota State Mankato's Pro Day and, and getting at least enough attention there, not to get drafted, but he will get a sign, get a contract from uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's there he'll actually make a little bit of a living. He'll make the team a couple of times uh, and play out three years and then a fourth, actually, as a Jacksonville Jaguar. But things sort of sputter out. He'll get a starting job and then he'll lose it. And he kind of talks about how I, I didn't really like how I played that year. And it, it's sort of up and down for him in Jacksonville. And then Pat Flaherty, his offensive line coach for his last two years in Jacksonville, will go take the job in Miami as they're cleaning out their whole schedule after, gosh, who was it in 2018 for, for the Dolphins? Oh, it was Adam Gase. Yeah, no wonder the Dolphins were trying to b- break everything down. Yeah, after the Adam Gase tenure in uh, in Miami fell apart, Pat Flaherty goes and takes that takes up that opening, and uh, free agent Chris Reed will say, well, I'll go where my coach is. But, of course, football is unfair, and he does not get to be where his coach is. He'll instead be coached by Dave DeGuglielmo, and he doesn't really ever get off the ground in Miami. He will make the team, but he won't ever start or anything like that, and he'll get cut before the end of the season. He ends up in Carolina's practice squad, gets a futures contract there, Um, and it's in Carolina where he actually does find some momentum and earns a starting role, but that's only one year. Free agency doesn't work out the way that he wanted to, and that leads him to Indianapolis. Unfortunately, Free agency doesn't always work out that way, and you don't get the sense of continuity that he's been chasing since he followed his O-line coach to Miami. He'll never get that. He'll be one year in Carolina, one year in Indianapolis, and then his hometown Vikings come a-calling. Now, this is really cool news when he decides he's going to sign with the Minnesota Vikings because, again, his family, diehard Vikings fans. His wife, Anna, grew up When she was like nine years old, she would do play-by-play of Vikings games. She would like write down notes for her dad when her dad couldn't watch the game. And his dad, Chuck, also a diehard fan. So they decide they've been living in Florida this whole time, and they decide they're going to move up to the Twin Cities and live up in Minnesota, go be a Viking. Um, They have to stay with Chris Reed's dad for like three weeks while the house gets finished up. And that ends up being this really fun time where they get to celebrate and be together and sort of strengthen their relationship with each other right before Chris Reed goes into the 2022 season, ready to try out and see if he can't win a starting job for the Vikings. And if you remember it, there were questions on the interior. Is this rookie going to get the starting job? What about Bradbury? Who's going to be the backups? There was a lot of opportunity there for Chris Reed. But the theme of this story is that football is unfair and he will play one preseason game as a Viking, and then hurt his elbow, requiring a a minor scope surgery. Um, It's not a huge deal. He'll be back on the field in a couple of weeks, but it means he's going to miss out on the rest of the preseason. And that kind of ruins his chance to get at all of those jobs. But he doesn't really care about that as much. At this point, when he's recovering from surgery, it just sucks to not play. He just wants to get back out there. And he's antsy, and it sucks. Uh, When he gets cleared to play, he's super excited, and he's really stoked to go tell his dad about it. But things are unfair because that same night, he'll get a call from his mom. Uh, His father has collapsed and he will not wake up. He had a heart attack. 
it's jarring to Chris Reed because his dad was a very healthy man. He ate right. He exercised. He was in great shape. He wasn't that old. Um, just plaque buildup in your heart. The kind of thing you never see coming. You never get a symptom of until it takes you. Uh, and for this reason, his like my cause, my cleats is dedicated now to the American Heart Association and awareness of this exact issue. Go get a checkup every once in a while. That's the message I think Chris Reed would want me to spread here. During all this, he does end up making the team, but he won't win any of the jobs he was competing for. Ed Ingram gets the right guard job, Austin Schlopman gets the backup center job, and you can't really blame the Vikings for that since he was out for most of the preseason. Those guys got their opportunity, came in, competed, and won. Um, he will sort of just be a swing third stringer for all of those guys, and he won't even be active for a lot of games in 2022. That is until... Garrett Bradbury suffers a back injury and then gets in a car accident that makes it worse. So he will have a, a prolonged absence. Austin Schlotman will be the starter for a lot of that. And then he'll break his leg, leaving Chris Reed, th- third string center, as the guy that needs to come out, come out and do the job. But the center job was never that serious of a competition for Chris Reed. I mean, he t- did a little bit of cross-training at center a, a little bit in camp, but... By the time he got hurt, that job was Austin Schlotman's, and Chris Reed was really more of a backup guard in case uh, Ezra Cleveland or Ed Ingram got hurt. So when Chris Reed has to get out there, it's a catastrophe. He doesn't know the snap counts. He messes up a whole bunch of things. He messes up snaps. Um, It's a total mess, and it takes him a, a couple of, it takes him that game to really get things back under his belt. And he fixes it up for the last game of the regular season and then the playoff game. He's largely unnoticed, which is what you want to be as an offensive lineman. Um, but now he has to compete even more with Blake Brandell, who they're cross-training at guard, as well as Ed Ingram, who's still got the starting job. Garrett Bradbury's still got the starting job. Schlotman's back for whatever his leg can do. It is, again, unfair. I mean, he, he moved to Minnesota, but bought a house here. He might get cut. Um... Maybe he won't. He's kind of fighting for his life, and that's the whole deal of the NFL. Uh, Life does not care about your football, and football does not care about your life. It's the way things go. But hey, like I said with Cephas Johnson, chip and a chair. And that is all any of these guys ever want going into training camp. Speaking of going into training camp, uh, it's going to start next week. So we'll start talking about some of that as well as finishing up things on the Everyman series here tomorrow. I want to round up a whole bunch of the little guys uh, and really get into that. So we will uh, grind out like a whole bunch of dudes, see if we can't get caught up so I can get to everybody in time before camp starts in earnest before I go to camp. Uh, Well, I'll be flying out to go to go watch that. So I will see you all for that. And as always, skull.